Genesis chapter 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go, unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Matthew chapter 14 When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men besides women and children. Good morning. I'm going to start with a question. Why didn't God give Esau back the blessing that Jacob stole? Good question. And why did God continue to bless Jacob? Another good question. The answer to both these questions must be because we are dealing with the Almighty here, the all-powerful, supreme God. Of course, he could have reversed the blessing. 
but he didn't. He chose not to. The Bible presents Jacob in a double light. On the one hand, he is the revered ancestor of the people of Israel. Indeed, the name Israel is said to have been given to him by God himself after he wrestled with God himself all night and humans and prevailed. On the other hand, he is a trickster who deceives his brother into parting with his birthright and his father into giving him the blessing of the firstborn that should have been given to Esau. We begin with the stolen blessing. It was the blessing to confer the right of succession to Esau, the firstborn child, so that he could fulfil his responsibilities as the firstborn son of Isaac. This cultural tradition is written into the law of Moses, we understand in Deuteronomy, and it is to provide for those in need. The firstborn son is given a double portion to enable him, as the oldest son, to look after both his immediate family and his extended family. This would be mainly made up of unmarried or widowed sisters with no one else to depend on them if they no longer had a father or a husband. Why did God continue to bless Jacob? Paradoxically, God did not always follow his own law. Throughout the Old Testament, there are many examples of God choosing younger brothers over the older ones. Isaac over Ishmael, Judah over his three brothers in the royal line of succession, David over his seven brothers, and here Jacob over Esau. It seems that God simply looks for the person who can best fulfil his purposes, regardless of that person's social standing and family position and family expectations. Next, it appears God works through the choices we make, good or bad, to accomplish his purposes. And it is God good to remember three rather important things. God does not take away our free will. God lets us choose. God is always able to work with our choices to advance his own positive purposes. Although these are not always good decisions that are made, and there are negative consequences for people who make bad decisions or bad choices. The one thing we need to grasp about Esau is that he despised his birthright. He was so casual about what he did. He gave his birthright away for a bowl of stew. He had come in from the fields, famished, demanding to eat. Obviously there was a delicious smell, but there was no, oh, to Jacob, oh, that smells good, do you mind if I try some? Just let me eat some of that red stuff. He couldn't have cared less when Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau agreed. I am going to die anyway, he answered. What good is a birthright to me? He ate, he drank, and then he departed, spurning his birthright, only living for the moment like so many of us do.
Esau's responsibilities as a firstborn son were not important to him, and probably he would have neglected them. Jacob, on the other hand, was hard-working, he was responsible, but he was also ambitious, and I think in today's language he would be called a real hustler. He was much better suited to lead the Israelite family as it began growing rapidly into a group of tribes that would become a nation than Esau. Jacob was God's choice. And Jacob was a hustler in another sense. He was a con artist. Esau wasn't going to recognise Jacob's abilities and offer him the role of family leader. This would have been ideal, but he didn't. So Jacob took advantage of a weakness in Esau's character to defraud him. He defrauded his own brother of his birthright. The Old Testament is showing us two kinds of distinct personality here. The first, primal, passionate, angry, a man who worked in the fields and hunted, a man who lived for the moment, a man who didn't think about the future. The second is cool, calm, calculating, and a bit crooked. Someone who preferred to stay at home to help his mother. One brother was preferred by his mother, the other preferred by his father. And one was born to create the Jewish nation, and the other was born to create the enemy of the Jewish people. We also see that there are consequences for Jacob. He is punished measure for measure for all his mistakes as a young man. He had to flee home with nothing because of Esau's anger. He was in exile for 20 years. But through the hardship of those years, Jacob's character was shaped and formed. He became a man who could lead the tribes of Israel into the future. He was God's choice. God could have accomplished the same thing more positively, but everyone in this rather unhappy, dysfunctional family situation, including Isaac and Rebekah, did not give God enough choices to work with to allow God to evolve his purpose in a better, maybe more comfortable way. And later we see that Jacob does make some restitution to Esau for all that he had lost. It doesn't undo the harm he did, but it does show a much more mature Jacob. It shows that although not ideal, sometimes there is only so much we can do or hope for. God is working to bring about renewal, but it is still a messy world. Many people live like Esau. No thought for anyone else. No sense of responsibility. Who live in the moment because life is short. Their wish is for an easy life. You could say their mantra is, when you die, you die all over, so when you live, you live in clover. 
Jacob offers a different model. He is filled with lots of flaws, but despite these flaws, he overcomes. And he struggles with God. He knows there must be more. He is searching for meaning. In his struggle with God, Jacob achieves enough to lead a different life. One filled with purpose. Even though he is scarred, even though he has wounds, he achieves a different life. A better life. We are all a mixture like Jacob. We all have flaws. The thing is not to be shocked by not liking ourselves very much sometimes. It is far more helpful to recognise that our lives are all a struggle to overcome these pesky disabilities, these things that we would rather keep in the cupboard, these things that keep coming out from under the rug to trip us. By looking at these things face on, we can find meaning in our lives despite the flaws and our very human frailties. We can overcome. We can prevail as we wrestle with God, as Jacob did. And to encourage in this, us in this endeavour, I want to take a brief look at the reading this morning from Matthew. An unwillingness to help people or take responsibility for those in need, really boils down to one fact. This being how we see other people, or even if we see them at all. This is the heart of the reading from Matthew. It is the focus of it, and of Jesus' behaviour. It is the context for all that he chooses to do. Jesus has been brought the news that the death of the death of his cousin John the Baptist. He wants to get away. He wants to be by himself. He wants to grieve. And probably to dwell on what John's death means for him. John's death affects thousands of people. They had pinned all their hopes on him, and now he is dead. They swarm out of the town to follow Jesus. Jesus just wants solitude and tries to get away by crossing the lake. But these people are so desperate they follow him around the lake on foot and are waiting for him when he reaches the other shore. The first question to ask is, what does Jesus do now? Well, he does something that sets up the rest of Matthew's Gospel because his reaction will affect his own disciples, the crowds, and so all of us as well. The next question is, what kind of person is Jesus? The answer is very clear. He is human. He needs to get away from everyone. He needs to be with his father. 
Instead, he sees this vast throng of people and he has compassion for them. Rather than taking the time for himself and his own needs, he turns to the crowds, moved by their plight. He knows full well by doing this, he's getting setting in motion his own eventual clash with the political and religious establishments in Jerusalem. He's also setting in motion his own death. It is compassion that motivates Jesus, however. It motivates his actions, his choices and his response in this situation. It is more than pity, a word that causes a whole realm of reaction and, in our culture, can imply looking down on someone or a position of being above another person. His reaction to this crowd is not an impersonal one, just to recognise a problem. It is a positive response to human beings in need, with the intent of doing something. The Greek word used in the New Testament is espla yisthi, which translates was filled with tenderness. So it's more than pity and maybe even more than compassion, although our Bibles use the word compassion. Jesus was filled with tenderness. He looks at this vast crowd who've lost all hope with the death of John and he is filled with a caring concern for them and decides to spend the rest of the day with them healing the sick and, quite plainly, being a huge comfort by just remaining with them instead of going off to deal with his own needs. Matthew tells us that there are 500 men besides the women and children. The Greek word horos is used, which means apart. Apart from the women and children, there were 5,000 men. The women and children weren't counted. Sociologists tell us that when a crowd of men, women and children gather together, the ratio of women and children can be as high as five or six to one, meaning to one man. So the crowd actually numbered 35,000. The disciples were with Jesus all day. However, unlike him, they were not touched by the same tenderness for the crowd. They didn't identify with their suffering. They are still filled with their own reactions to John's death and maybe their own fears as Jesus' followers about what it will mean for them. They now want Jesus to themselves. They need him. They need him more than these people. So the crowds must go. They must go home. It doesn't matter that it's been getting late. It doesn't matter that they're tired and it doesn't matter that they're hungry. The disciples really 
just want them to go. They have no personal response to this tiredness and hunger before them. But Jesus does. This is about discipleship, isn't it? Following Jesus is about risk and letting go. Seeing the needs of others and being willing to make the first move towards them. Discipleship and ministry is about lack. The lack of hope, the lack of food, the lack of resources, the lack of direction, the lack of spirit, the lack of trust, the lack in the community, even amongst its leaders. The lack in everyone's life as a human being and the lacks in society, politics and worship. This is a story about dealing with some of those lacks. Now what I would like to do is to leave you with some homework. I know I have asked some questions this morning in this reflection, but I'm going to leave you with some more questions to think about. Matthew says the crowd numbered 5,000 men. Who was considered important enough to count? In other words, who might not have been counted? We're not just talking about women and children, of course. Would there be moneylenders? Would there be traders? Would there be farmers? Who was not counted? Who wasn't important enough to count at that time? The second question is, where did the baskets come from? My third question for you is, who took the leftovers home? And my last question is something that we could perhaps apply to ourselves. Thinking about that requirement in discipleship to be the first to move towards another in need and maybe to give of what you have. How might the disciples have felt when Jesus took their food and gave it to the crowd? These are questions maybe just to think about as you go into the next week. May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ grant you the riches of his grace, his wholeness and his peace, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and those for whom you pray and love always. Amen.